Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the AwesomeO.com NBA Strategy Show presented by Superdraft. I'm Dave Lochran. With me every Thursday, Greg Ehrenberg, and we've got a four-game slate to break down for you today. Happy to have everyone with us. As always, pop that thumbs up, or as they say, smash that thumbs up. Is it smash? I can't ever get it right. Smash, smash that thumbs up, right? Smash the like button. Smash the like smash button. Smash the like button. I actually take pride in not knowing that, Greg. <laughs> you know, I feel like once I learn that, I, 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 I'm too far gone. Anyway, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Glad to have everyone with us. Before we jump into it, want to shout out our sponsor, Superdraft. You can download it in the App Store, anywhere they have apps, or check it out at superdraft.io. Very cool format. No salaries, all multipliers. What's that mean, you ask? Well, I'm glad you did. I'm happy to tell you. Instead of, say, Luka Doncic, or for today's sake, Giannis Antetokounmpo or James Harden being $12,000, $11,000 on DraftKings or FanDuel, you're getting them at a 1x multiplier, right? So Harden, 1x. Lillard, surprisingly, 1.05, but it really doesn't move the needle a ton. Once you get into some of the value players, however, that might be $3,500 on DraftKings or you know $4,000, you start looking at multipliers that come up close to 2x, you know, Ben McLemore, 1.95. And I'm not recommending all of these guys, but just throwing it out there. Austin Rivers, 1.9x, meaning he gets 90% more fantasy points than he actually scores. So if he scores 25 times that by 1.9, very cool. You can play whoever you want, three guards, three forwards in a center. But uh, on, on, on the service, you might say, oh, I'll just play all the normally expensive guys. It's not the way to do it. Get the multipliers. Find the way to get the most fantasy points because that's how you win. And the coolest thing about Superdraft, in my opinion, is there's like legitimately attainable prizes every day. So the $8,000 jump shots, $1,500 to first place. But there's only 776 entries altogether, uh, a multi-entry of 23. It's a $12 entry. So you get in there, you can win some legitimate money, uh, and you can do so without having to compete against 150 entries from a single person. NFL's got $125,000 red zone coming up, uh, $15,000 to first. Very stoked about that. And the best part, you can get $10 in free super cash simply by signing up and depositing $10 when you use the promo code AWESOMEO10. It's A-W-E-S-E-M-O-1-0, all one word. Or if you're feeling frisky, throw $100 in there. 
They'll inject $20 in Supercast directly into your account. Same promo code, AwesomeO10. It's as good as money to be used on the site to play and win real money. It's superdraft.io or download it in the App Store today. It's the sponsor of the NBA Strategy Show. Okay, Greg, four games. A uh, little recap of yesterday quickly. I tell you, I love betting basketball, right? And I love DFS. But I'll tell you what. I bet I bet Toronto with the live spread and and it worked out. I, I got beat up twice in the past two days betting these live spreads. Still having a good bat, very good basketball season on the betting front. But Milwaukee beat beat me up pretty bad. I got him at like plus three and a half in the first half. I thought there's no way I lose that. And then I grabbed the Clippers yesterday to start the second half down by ten or something at plus nine. Thinking how do I not get that? But then here we are. Both of those teams got smoked. We've now seen three teams, either one or two seeds, um, get beat up pretty bad, whether it was the the Bucks, the, the Lakers struggled mightily, and the Clippers. So my question to you to kick this off this morning is, and I had this conversation with a lot of people on Twitter because I seem to be on an opposite side of most, how much do you think playing in the bubble and not having home court advantage matters in a situation like this with the top-seeded teams? So I think it matters for a couple of reasons. Number one, it matters just because home court advantage is worth two and a half points to a spread. So I think we have to consider that, you know, there's just a decent amount less chance for them to win the first couple of games of the, se- of, the of any series. Now, on the other side, obviously, they're going to have a little bit better of a chance in the games they would have played on the road. I don't really think it's being baked into the lines that two and a half point difference. Like if the Lakers were playing at Staples Center. And we are assuming that the current spread is assuming a neutral court. That would mean the Lakers are supposed to be a nine-point favorite at home tonight against the Blazers if they're playing at Staples Center. Like, I don't buy that to be the case. I just don't think it's being baked into the line enough. So I think that the lines are all kind of favoring the, the higher-seeded teams more than they should so far. I agree that it's not baked into the line as much as it should be. But I also think, like, if it's worth two-and-a-half points, neutral court – is going to be complete. So neutral court's going to have no swing to either direction. It's going to be worth zero, right? So there's still the notion that like in a neutral setting, the much better team should still be the much better team. And I I think the, the, the almost startling part, whether you and I agree on the home court advantage or not, is the fact that they've gotten beaten up. Like it's not even that they just lost by a couple of points. What I find kind of shocking is, you know, the Bucks lost by, was it 14 or 15 points? The Clippers lost by double digits. Uh, the Lakers unraveled late in that game, missed four consecutive three th- free throws down the stretch. That That's a, it's been really strange to watch. So yeah, I agree. They haven't baked it into the line as they should, or at least we don't think they have. I, I tend to try and avoid uh, criticizing Vegas because, you know, they're smarter than myself, yeah. but I, uh, these have been some very, very strange outcomes to start this off, and I guess you can attribute it to the bubble. We just don't have a large enough sample size right now. It's it's a small sample. The other thing we could say, too, is so even though like I was much less impressed with the Blazers' play during the stretch of the regular season than most people, like, yeah, they're winning games, except they're playing against backups, they're playing against resting teams, they're playing against, you know, like the Clippers bench, then they played against the Grizzlies without Jaren And they, they barely won these games, and Exactly. So, so I'm looking at that, I'm like, well, the Lakers – should be better than those teams. So I just looked at that and thought, I'm not all that impressed with the Blazers did down the stretch. But then I look at how poorly the Lakers played the other day. And I wonder, is it rust? 
because the Blazers were at least playing in competitive games. The Lakers have essentially rested guys the entirety of the bubble. So this is the first real meaningful game the Lakers have played since, you know, March. And I wonder if that plays a factor also. It might. And it could also be the fact that outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, this team just isn't particularly good. That, that uh, definitely is a factor. You know what I mean? Danny Green, you know, credit the guy. By the way, huge shocker, 15 fantasy points last time out. But I, I know he had five fouls still. Le- LeBron James and Anthony Davis are spectacular. But, man, I don't know that's going to get it done. And we'll move on to the games right now. But just your take on one more thing. Statistically speaking, Giannis had a huge game. They lost by double digits. LeBron James had a 70-plus fantasy point game, monster triple-double. They lost by, I think, seven points uh, and, and collapsed in the, in the, in the later mo- or latter moments of that game. You know, a lot of these guys are having huge games, uh, and it's just not enough to get it done. Do you expect a bounce back from guys like Middleton today? Do you think uh, the, the Lakers come in and, and, and clean and mop the floor with Portland? Or should we expect these to be close series? Because I just can't, I cannot in any possible way. I've ran through every iteration possible. I can't see Orlando making this a competitive series, but I also didn't see them kicking Milwaukee's ass. So I think there's a couple asterisks with those first games, the, the one season losing to the eight. First, the, the Bucs just got awful games out of Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton. Like they didn't even play Horrible. as replacement. Like they weren't even replacement level players. Like they were absolute garbage. Chris Middleton's still really good. Like he's one of the better players and probably one of the more underrated players in the league. Super efficient on offense, really good defensive player. And he sucked. He's not going to play that poorly again. Uh, and then if we look also on the Bucs side, like Giannis did play decently overall, but Brooke Lopez is going to play better. And then from the Magic side, like th- they got big shooting games from everybody. Gary Clark is making shots. Uh, James Ennis is making shots. So to me, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't really see as sustainable from the Bucs side, from the Magic side of the game. And then from the Bucs, like, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez are just going to be way better going forward. They need to be. There's no question. Yeah, we're on the um, same we're on the same page as it relates to that. I I do think, however, that uh, that site that ranked Chris Middleton as a top ten player is absolutely delusional. Like, oh, I don't even know. It's <laughs> oh yeah, this is. was a big thing like a month ago. <laughs> they ranked him as the tenth best player in the league ahead of Westbrook and 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 a laundry list of other players, which is outrageous. So I don't know. Um, anyway. One thing I'll bring up on the, on the Lakers also on, in the same vein. I thought they got really unlucky. To the eye test to me, I was like, the Lakers are generating a lot of good shots in this game that just aren't going in. Now, I understand, too, we look at, like, hey, Kyle Kuzma isn't really that good. Uh, Danny Green, probably not what he used to be. But still, I found this, this site that does, like, advanced shot tracking and then figures out what's, what uh, percentage shots teams should make based on shot quality. Which and site is that? It's called Second Spectrum. They have okay. a they have a Twitter account. Is also it Spectrum Sports? Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's sec- Second Spectrum. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was affiliated with with Spectrum Sports. Uh, go, no, go it's it's called Second Spectrum. Uh, so they have a stat shooting lock. It's measured based on the difference between points a team actually scored and the points we'd expected to score given the quality of shots, number of free throws, and the players who took that shot. So it uses the uh, like the the tracking data, and they came away with. The Lakers' performance in game one against the Blazers had the worst shooting luck of any game since the 2013-2014 season, scoring 46 fewer points than expected. Wow. I tweeted, too, that those missed free throws were really going to haunt them. And when you think about it, you play differently down the stretch when you're playing from behind. 
had they made even three of those four three free throws, they have the lead going into the final three minutes of that game. Instead, yep. they were down by by two points and then four and then six. And yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, just uh, I don't know. It's been a, a really, really unique and, and fascinating play postseason this far. And I think to kind of set the table with that is important to understand where we're at heading into this slate. You know, normally you'd look at it and be like, OK, well, we saw all four of these games just two days ago. What are we doing here? Well, there's a lot to learn from that, especially game one. So let's dive into it head first here, Greg. Miami and Indiana. Uh, Miami uh, let Indiana hang around for quite a while last game, and then they ended up pulling away from them. I don't think that's a huge surprise. They're four-point favorites here, 215.5 total. Victor Oladipo is questionable, but uh, and we haven't had a ton of information on this, but according to the Pacers' Twitter, uh, there was no – like significant damage and, and he's, he's going to be a game time decision. He went through what they called a walkthrough uh, on Wednesday, but uh, I, I still haven't seen anything definitive one way or the other. Let's start with Miami though. Uh, Jimmy Butler last time out, huge minutes as it should be. Eric Spolster ran a, a very short rotation, nine players, which I like to see. I, I want a condensed rotation for sure. Butler led the, the team with 37 minutes. Bam started off slow, finished really strong, played 35 minutes himself with that double-double. But then you look at the minutes outside of that. Like Dragic played 34, and then Duncan Robinson played 24. Jay Crowder played 25. Uh, It was Tyler Hero off the bench who got a ton of run and closed the game out with with 17 and a half straight minutes to close the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, and uh, one injury note from the Heat is that Jay Crowder is an ankle injury, and he's listed as questionable yeah. to play. So that could condense the rotation anymore, uh, even more. The thing I was most surprised, Kendrick Nunn started a lot of the second half of the season fell out of the Heat rotation. Really? So that, do you think that has to do with him returning from the bubble and then not feeling comfortable? It, that can't be. He wasn't gone for long at all. It's so, it's so weird because it's like, how good do you think he is? If, like, why was he starting a couple weeks ago and then all of a sudden just not in the rotation at all? So. It's a very odd situation. Maybe he re-enters the rotation if Jay Crowder's back, but I, I, I find it very hard to project the minutes here just because Kendrick Nunn went from starting to zero minutes. So I have him at zero minutes for now, but it's a situation I'm not totally sure what to make of it. I don't know how you feel about Nunn. Yeah, it's almost like Brett Brown saying how much Alec Burks means to the rotation in the offense <laughs> and not playing uh, Howell Neto a single minute the day before or the game before, and then – playing in nine straight minutes in the first half as they collapse and blow a 14-point lead. Pisses me off, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think Eric Spolster is a good coach. He's a really good coach, uh, and, and I appreciate the guy immensely, and I think he he knows what he's doing. But I was, along with you, very surprised by Kendrick Nunn not getting into the rotation whatsoever. Um and, you know, some of that has to do with Goran Dragic playing the most minutes of this. I don't know if this is true, but it's got to be close to the most minutes of the season. Uh, horrible first half, like dismal first half. I think Jimmy Butler in the postgame interview said he, he said uh, Dragic was stinky. That was his word in the first half and then turned it on late, finished with 24, 6 and 5. But he played 34 minutes and then Tyler Harrow got a ton of runs. So combined – I don't know, Greg, they played they played 67 combined or 68 combined minutes between Tyler Hero and Dragic. If you get none back into the rotation, uh, I definitely think it's it's doable. But let's assume Jay Crowder's 
let's assume that he's out here, right? Okay. We'll assume that Jay Crowder's out. He's currently questionable, as you mentioned, with that left ankle. If, if that's the case, who do we have to, to fill that void? You have Andre Iguodala, who could continue to get more minutes, but I don't know if Spo wants to give him much more than the 25 he gave him last time. Derek Jones had the neck injury. He came back, played 13. So I think you could probably make that argument that Derek Jones plays around 24. Um, maybe Iggy plays a few more minutes. Duncan Robinson could play 28 or so. And there might still not be um, a, a lot of room for Kendrick Nunn to get back into this. So I like Duncan Robinson a lot, and I don't understand why he only played 24 minutes last game. In the regular season, he played 31 well, he minutes. He had two fouls in the first quarter. Yeah, but still, there was re- he could have come in late. He didn't close the game. Like, to me, Duncan Robinson somebody who should be playing more minutes. He's a really good shooter. He had historically one of the best shooting seasons in the history of the league. Uh, I saw some people say, well, he's a bad defender, which I think people just kind of make the assumption. He finished first amongst all shooting guards in defensive real plus minus this year. Now, I don't think that means he's actually the best defensive shooting guard in the league, but he's still somebody who warrants playing over 30 minutes, in my opinion. And I think he's so good that he's just going to force himself to play extra minutes, especially if he's making his shots early. So I think that Duncan Robinson bounces back in terms of minutes played. And he's somebody that I like a little bit as a value play here. He's uh, was 3,900 on DraftKings, 4,100 on FanDuel. That's just too cheap of a price for Duncan Robinson, who was priced at 6,000 right before the league went on a hiatus. What are your thoughts here on, uh, on the backcourt? We talked about none. At this point, obviously, you just there's no point of even trying to get cute and, and, and roster him by saying, oh, well, he didn't play, but I'm going to get there first and, and you know, start this trend especially at that price. So we don't even need to get into that because I think even if he does play, his minutes are going to be curtailed by Dragic and, and Tyler Harrow getting excessive amount of run. But what about what, – where do we stand with guys like Dragic, Harrow, and, and Jimmy Butler in this game two matchup against the Pacers? Yeah, it's tough. It's also – it's not a favorable matchup. Like the Pacers have a good defense, although maybe that gets a little bit worse if Oladipo's out. So that's something to keep an eye on, uh, no pun intended. But if, if Oladipo ends up sitting out – then I think it stands to reason that's a slightly easier matchup for those guys. And maybe we could attribute Goran Dragic's big game one to Oladipo only playing eight minutes and getting hurt. So I look at the pricing here and Goran Dragic, I do think makes sense on both sides, just because he played those 34 minutes. Like you said, uh, I I looked up his minutes while you were talking before. It is tied for the most minutes he's played all year. So it does seem like there's going to be an effort to play Goran Dragic bigger minutes in the playoffs. And the price tag, even though it is higher than we're usually used to seeing from him, you know, he's been an all-star level player in the past, and I still think Goran Dragic in 34 minutes, he could be a guy whose price goes up a lot from here. So I think that he's a decent guy to target, uh, particularly if Oladipo doesn't play. So last game, well, through the playoffs thus far, the two teams with the fewest rebounding chances were the Pacers with 69 and the Miami Heat with 68. Uh, Miami was the only team through any team that's played yet of the 16 that had fewer than – 10, uh, sorry, fewer than 11 contested rebounds. They had six in that game. I was shocked by that. Now, I I still go back to the well with Bam Adebayo. I think he's a phenomenal player. I still love this matchup. Uh, Miles Turner is a a good enough defender, but he's not a good rebounder. And Bam Adebayo should be able to, to continue to impose his will upon this front court with Sabonis out with the team banged up. I'll go back there. I mean, and look, even after a slow start, he still had 17, 10, and six with three blocks in 35 minutes. Uh, 
uh, just a, a really, really spectacular game from him, despite maybe not uh, the greatest overall start. But I was definitely surprised uh, to see that the rebounding there was 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 so unimpressive. This is a, a Pacers team that was dead last in allowing offensive rebounds in the in the seeding games in the eight seeding games to their opponent. The only team that allowed more defensive rebounds was the Houston Rockets. The the Pacers do have a rebounding problem, and if Bam can do what he did without even having a quality rebounding game, uh, I, I'm I'm back on board here and. Now, the last thing on this is when you're talking about pace, there's no doubt that these are two teams that probably won't play at an elevated pace. Matter of fact, that game had saw 93 possessions, uh, both teams, 93 possessions per 48 minutes. That's very, very low. It's not going to stay that low. There's no way, especially given the pace increase we've seen inside the bubble. Uh, Adebayo is a guy I like quite a bit today. What are you doing with the rest of Miami? Yeah, they're not priority plays for me just because of the pace of the game. It has the lowest total on the slate by over 10 points. And then even if we look at the recent games that the Heat and Pacers have played each other, uh, game one of the series had 214 total points scored the game before that. They, they played two regular season games in the bubble. Those games had 216 points and 211 points. So there's a lot to indicate this is just going to be a slower paced game when these teams match up. And there are a lot of games on the slate, basically every other one that's projected to have way more possessions in it. So that is going to be a factor that's going to be one of the reasons that there's less rebound opportunities just because there's you know going to be less possessions played than the other games. Yeah, of course. Uh, for me, though, it comes down to Bam's price tag. I, 7500 is just too cheap. Like He's yeah, a much better – sorry? Yeah, I said I agree. Yeah, he's just a better player than a $7,500 price tag would, would suggest. Uh, and – 35 minutes last game. I actually thought you'd get a little bit more from him. So that, that you know, that's one area where uh, I, I think you could see a little bit of improvement. I wouldn't be shocked at all if he comes out and plays like 38. Uh, but yeah, Bama. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I to buy is the one, the one spot here that, that really appeals to me. On the Pacers side, and obviously we'll wait on Jay Crowder information because that actually will play a significant role. Do you think if Crowder's out, Iguodala gets 30 minutes? It's, it's really hard for me to think. That. For one, I think Iguodala's been terrible this year. Like, I don't think his defense is what it once was. He offers nothing on offense anymore. He can't shoot either. So that's one of the reasons, too, that I look at Duncan Robinson is, like, he should be playing way more minutes than Iguodala. He just brings so much more to the table, especially I think the assumption is just that, well, at least Iguodala brings, you know, much better defense than Duncan Robinson. But Considering that Duncan Robinson led all shooting guards this year in defensive real plus minus, I think that he's a quality enough defensive player to stay on the floor. And then if we look at Iguodala, 
barely over 30% three-point shooter over the last three years. So to me, that's that's a pretty big deal. Andre Goodall also 36 years old. So I think it stands to reason that, you know, he's just not the player he once was. I, I don't know if he could handle 30 minutes. Uh, he certainly hasn't come close to playing that amount of minutes during his time so far with Miami. So it's, it's really tough for me to project him to play that much. So TJ Warren played 109 minutes in the bubble with, with Oladipo off the floor, saw a 28% usage rate. Uh, assist rate isn't something you're going to expect from him or really project higher without Oladipo because Oladipo uh, is not really a spectacular playmaker by any stretch. Uh, but all in all, you know, you're going to see, you're going to see a pretty big impact if Oladipo sits because you're already without Demonis Sabonis. It's only a hundred and some minutes, like I said, with him off the floor in this restart, but TJ Warren averaged 1.37 fantasy points per minute. Now, if you just completely remove Oladipo from the equation, whether he's in or whether he's off, Warren was averaging 1.31. So I, I almost at this point wonder how much of an impact Oladipo's absence would have on someone like Warren. He was gunning no matter what. But uh, yeah, obviously it benefits them to take a pretty much pure scorer off the floor uh, and leave them with Brogdon, TJ Warren, and, and pretty much nobody else in terms of instant offense. Yeah, so one of the things about TJ Warren's points permitted in the bubble is not only is the shooting sustain, uh, not sustainable because he shot like 60% from the field or something like that in the bubble, but the steal rate is ridiculous. Like he had four steals in the first game of the series. He had uh, two other games with three steals during the bubble. To me, that's equally as unsustainable as is shooting from the field because there's no reason to think like TJ Warren is just a guy who gets like four steals in the game now. So I look at his price on DraftKings at 8,000, his price at 7,700 on FanDuel. And this is a tough defensive matchup. Like Jimmy Butler is going to be on him for a lot of the game. Even with Old Deep Wow, like Warren's not a guy that I'm going to flock to play just because I think so much of his production is unsustainable and the price tag is too high for me. It's too expensive for me too, especially on a slate with, with so many good players. And you're going to get a lot of that throughout the postseason for obvious reasons. Uh, I, I do think though... Malcolm Brogdon still sitting below $7,000 on DraftKings is, is pretty interesting. He played 39 minutes last time out, had a 22-10 double-double. Uh, You're going to continue to get good opportunities from him. And, you know, ultimately, if you're getting him below 7K, now that DraftKings has kind of tightened up their, their pricing, he had 93 touches in that game. Miles Turner was second with 65. Warren was third with 52. So the, the, as we can see here, Brogdon is absolutely the one dictating this offense. And uh, to me, that's that, that's pretty important thing to consider. One more thing, Greg, he had 25 drives in that game, which in the playoffs thus far is second only to Doncic and Karis LeVert. So uh, Brogdon is not just somebody like, – I, I think sometimes he gets a bad rap in that he's not going to be aggressive. He was very, very aggressive in that game, both as a shooter and as a playmaker. Yeah, for sure. And then I brought this up yesterday when I was doing the show with Josh, something I like to look at a lot, especially in the bubble, because it's been it's been so long since we've seen these guys play. It's hard to remember is I like to look at the historical pricing on the sites and see like, all right, when these guys were at their peak or where they were at before the bubble in terms of what their salary was, just to get like a reasonable baseline of kind of what to expect from them. And Malcolm Brogdon, uh, a couple a few months ago, he was an 8000 player. Yeah. So you look at his salary now at 6,900 on DraftKings, 7,400 on FanDuel. And if you just wonder, like, what's a fair price from Malcolm Brogdon, you know, based on what we've seen so far this year, it's a little over 8,000 or so. And to me, he's been a guy, he's just priced down a little bit too much. Then you factor in Sabonis out, 
Oladipo potentially out. That's just more more of a role for Brogdon. He's going to have the ball in his hands more. He's going to have to take more shots. And we saw that play out in the first game of the series where he had a 31% usage rating, uh, 10 assists, like you said, uh, a lot of touches. So the ball was in his hands a ton. And that's more of what I expect from him going forward. The, the price tag's just too cheap. Actually, I think all things considered, I would probably expect Malcolm Brogdon more often than not to score more fantasy points than TJ Warren, just like irrespective of prices. So I think, I, so, I think that, so Brogdon to me is the way stronger play of the two of them and the guy that I want to prioritize well over TJ Warren. Yeah, especially the discount. There's more peripheral upside in somebody like Brogdon too. I, I just, I can't rely on, on the the blocks, the steals, the the rebounds from TJ Warren to continue. It, it's he's gone at an, an unsustainable rate. But Malcolm Brogdon has played 454 minutes this season without Oladipo and Sabonis. 28.4 percent usage rate, 1.27 fantasy points per minute, uh, and a 37.9 percent assist rate. Keep in mind, Demonis Sabonis is one of the better passing bigs in the league. So. Uh, this lead, this puts a lot on, on Malcolm Brogdon's shoulders and we'll see if he's up for the, to the task, but, uh, easily my favorite play from the Pacers might probably my favorite play from this game, to be honest with you. Uh, do you have anything else on the Pacers before we move on? Uh, no, I, I think that about covers it. Uh, the only thing I would say is, uh, any potential value plays if, um, if Old Depot's out, I would look at Justin Holiday in that case, just cause he's a guy who's soaked up a lot of minutes. We've seen the Pacers aren't afraid to go play him 30 plus minutes at a cheap price. I think it also makes him playable just because there's so many stars on this slate. Like we look at how the, how the games break down now where it's kind of an imbalance where we have all of the star, almost all the star players on one slate. And then we just kind of have Luka Doncic by himself in terms of high priced options on the, on the other slate. So that kind of makes it, if we could get Justin holiday without old Depot playing like 30 plus minutes, I think he's a viable value play just because we want to try to jam in some of the all-stars. OKC and Houston taking it to uh, game two here. Houston won in uh, in convincing fashion last time out. That game at no point was competitive. Uh, Rockets were opened at plus two and a half in game one. They were getting two and a half points. Uh, closed around one and a half. Now they're laying one uh, two and a half points for this game. I... I was all over Houston on the money line specifically in that game because I, I thought it was it was strange that, that they would not be favored, and I guess it's the impact of Russell Westbrook. But I don't know, Greg. Maybe maybe we're on an entirely different page. I and I I get it by the way that Gilgis Alexander, Dennis Schroeder did not have great games, but uh, I, I think this Rockets team when they're knocking down threes is pretty much capable of competing with any team in the league when they're knocking down threes. They can unravel. We've seen them lose games by 10 points to the Charlotte Hornets because they can't knock down threes and, and, and other bad teams. But uh, I'm, I'm just not convinced that this OKC team is all that great. I know they have good balance, but you know what you need in the playoffs? You need star power. You need somebody to take you home. And I just don't know if they have that player. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think Chris Paul is that player, but in a different way. This goes like way, way back. But I did uh, a paper in college on efficient crunch time offenses in the NBA. And this was during the, I want to say like the 2010 to like 2012 seasons I did this. And at the time, the most efficient offense in crunch time in the league, it, it was the it, it was Chris Paul's team at the time. They were the... Uh, I'm trying to remember what they were called then. They were the Hornets at the, they were the Hornets at the time, I think. Chris Paul? 
when he was on 2010. Um, well, it, 2011 was the was the Clippers. 2010 was the Hornets. Yeah. Okay, so 2010 was was the Hornets. So when he was on the Hornets, they had the most efficient crunch time offense in the NBA. And actually, the Lakers with Kobe Bryant time had a bottom five crunch time offense. So I think that there's something to just overall team ball and setting up running plays as opposed to the hero ball that can set up to be more efficient. So I do think a team with Chris Paul could still be that kind of team. I think he's good enough to facilitate an offense that you don't need him to necessarily take over a game down the stretch just because he's so good at running an offense and that he's a guy with a really high assist rate that doesn't really turn the ball over. So I'm a big Chris Paul believer. And I do still think they have a pretty good chance to win this series against the Rockets, assuming that Russell Westbrook misses games. I, I feel like you might disagree with that. Yeah, I think that was a decade ago. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but Chris Paul's still Chris Paul's still amazing, though. I'm uh, such a I'm such a Chris Paul fan. I can see that. No, I, I know he's a good player. I'll I'll take the team that can get wide open threes whenever they want them, and and has James Harden who can knock down. Uh, mid-range or sorry, mid-court three-pointers. I, I get what you're saying, and it's definitely a good argument. To uh, you know, that's a conversation that we could have for a long, a long argument or a conversation that we could have about that. But ultimately, I just I, I think Harden is is the type of guy, and people can say whatever they want about playoff Harden and stuff like that. But you know, two he's days good in the ago, playoffs. he's good in the playoffs. I say he's been good in the playoffs, despite what the yeah. What people kind of think about him. He's overall, he's had some stinkers, but overall he's been good in his career in the playoffs. Right. It's just, I, I am of the belief that teams need somebody that can take over games in the playoffs to really end up winning uh, and winning the finals and winning big series. I, I really do believe that in today's basketball, that's the case. And I didn't think Boston had a shot to do that earlier in the year when I was looking at their title odds, their finals odds. But if you look at what Jason Tatum's doing, like dude's a superstar now. He can absolutely single-handedly take over a game. Do other teams have that or that don't have that have a chance? I, I honestly I lean towards I lean towards no. And we'll find out. But that's besides the point, Greg. Let's talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder from a DFS perspective. You know, you've got Chris Paul, you've got SGA, you've got Dennis Schroeder. They definitely have one of the best three guard setups in the league. Uh, but man, Schroeder was dismal last game. He scored six points, missed all five of his three point attempts, had 11 fantasy points on the day. Gilgis Alexander had nine points on two for eight shooting. I'm telling you, this was a really bad game. And while everyone was so worried about Steven Adams, Steven Adams proved to be far from the issue in this one. It was these two guys that could not generate or manufacture any offense whatsoever over the course of 48 minutes. Yeah, and actually, I'm trying to bring up the – see if there's ownership info up yet. Because if Steven Adams is low-owned, I think he's a good GPP play on this slate. Because he destroyed the Rockets' front court when he was on, when he was on he the better. court last game. The, the, yeah. issue, the issue was just that the, the Thunder got down by so much, they needed to put shooters on the court down the down the later stretches of the game adam but 17 percent right now yeah so i think that's a pretty reasonable ownership for him like i want to be overweight to him if we look at what he did uh 17 points 12 rebounds and only 28 minutes against the rock they just have nobody to match up with his size the the only thing was was just the score was so out of hand that he wasn't able to play down the stretch but i don't think we should expect that to be the case going forward in a game that has a two and a half point spread even if i f- favor the thunder a little bit you favor the rockets I'm not going to look at a game that's a two and a half point spread and assume, well, this time it's going to be another 15 point game. It's going to be tighter. That's going to be more minutes for Adams. And there's just nobody on Houston in the front court to match up with his size. 
anybody outside of that intrigue you? Because the, the weird, the thing is like Houston is a really bad rebounding team and they're fine with that. I think Mike D'Antoni is one of the greatest offensive architects to ever coach basketball. I love what he's done. Does it always work? No, it's not always going to work. And he knows that, but when it is working, good luck trying to keep pace. Uh, you know, the Adams is the guy that can really beat them up inside. He's not a, a skilled offensive presence, but he can get enough done. And he's a very good rebounder uh, when he's not deferring to Russell Westbrook. But what about Schroeder, Paul and and uh, and SGA? Are, are you on Chris Paul today, knowing that what you just said, that he's going to need to not take over, but dictate this offense over the course of probably 37, 38 minutes? So I think all these guys are playable, but they're not priority plays for me. They're kind of like secondary options where it's like, I'm going to build a bunch of lineups and maybe I have like 15% exposure to some of these guys. The issue with like Chris Paul at 8,000 on DraftKings is we have James Harden. We have Giannis Antetokounmpo. We have Anthony Davis, LeBron James. There's so many high priced guys that have such big ceilings. And Chris Paul doesn't have quite that ceiling compared to those guys that it's just hard for me to really say like, hey, I need to have Chris Paul in a lot of my lineups because I don't think he has the potential to break the slate like some of these other guys do. Me neither. He was on pace to play almost 40 minutes last game, got pulled with two minutes remaining in the fourth. That's interesting, but you're going to get that from most players, uh, you know, that have any type of of resemblance to a Chris Paul. He wasn't bad. He came one assist shy of a a triple-double. Like, he was the one player who didn't have an awful game outside of Steven Adams. Uh, On the Houston side of the ball, James Harden, you're going to be paying for him, right? And he's 11-7 on DraftKings. He's 11-8 on FanDuel. He is a 1x multiplier on SuperDraft, meaning whatever he scores is exactly what he gets. But – I'd say he probably disappointed a lot of people last game. It's not because he played poorly at all, Greg. As a matter of fact, he shot 55% from the field, 46% from three, and knocked down seven of eight free throws. Had a 37-point, 11-rebound uh, double-double, lacking on assist, but it wasn't really necessary. He, he disappointed because he didn't need to do any more than he did, and he didn't even play his full allotment of minutes. Uh, he was on pace to play 36 and, and I think, you know, if this game's competitive, Harden's playing 40. So I'm not too worried about that last game. He was mega efficient. He just didn't need to do much more than he did. Yeah, that's – you know, it's funny. James Harden without Russell Westbrook on the court, like around 60 fantasy points, that's a floor for him. That's what he oh, had. Yeah. He had a floor game. He had a floor game last time and scored yep. 58 DK points. So still an excellent play. He's going to have to do everything for this team with Westbrook off the court. Scores uh, about 65 DraftKings points per 36 36- minutes on the season without Russ on the court. And the other thing too, we look at his stats last game. He only had three assists, no defensive stats. Like that's stuff that we would expect to bounce back. Also the 34 minutes, like you said, he easily plays 40 minutes if this is a competitive game, which we expect to be the case. Like he was playing more than 34 minutes in meaningless games in the bubble against the Pacers. They already had a playoff spot locks up. That game meant nothing to, to the Rockets and Harden ended up playing 36 minutes in that game just because it was reasonably close. So for sure, D'Antoni is going to play in more minutes in this game. We can't expect to blow out again. And to me, if I can only pay up for one guy on this slate, it would be James Harden. Okay. They never they never relinquished the lead once it got to – well, at, at all, as a matter of fact. The only time the Thunder led was like five minutes into the first quarter, and then it all went downhill from there. But, yeah, with like three minutes remaining in the third, they, the Rockets were up by 23 points. 
it ebbed and flowed a little bit, but never got with on never got under you know 15. So I'm pretty sure D'Antoni looked at it and said, "All right, I'm going to need James Harden. I'll cut a minute off his rotation here. I'll cut a minute off his rotation here, and then I'll pull these guys, the starters with with two minutes to go." So yeah, 40 minutes is not only achievable, but it's likely in a spot here. We're on the, we're we're together on this one now. The rest of Houston is just. It's a very difficult team to try and figure out because on any given day, it could be one of these guys draining a ton of three-pointers and, and, you know, just getting hot from beyond the arc because, Greg, all of them are going to get wide-open threes. And I'm not just saying that tongue-in-cheek. It's not hyperbole. All of these guys are going to get wide-open threes from Jeff Green to Macklemore to Eric Gordon to Robert Covington to Daniel House. Um to even P.J. Tucker. It's just which one of these players can give you enough peripherals to where maybe they're they're not knocking down all of their shots and can still produce decent points and not sink you uh, in tournaments. I like Robert Covington today. Uh, I think he's a bit too cheap on DraftKings. Uh, FanDuel, you're kind of almost forced to play him because the power forward options are so thin on FanDuel today. It's like Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo, Robert Covington, Aaron Gordon questionable, and then the next most expensive player is is Kyle Kuzma. He's way overpriced. So the power forward options are so thin on FanDuel that I think you're kind of forced to play Covington anyway. And then at 6000 on DraftKings, to me, that's too cheap of a price for Covington. Like you mentioned the peripheral stats. He's a guy who always gets defensive stats. Covington, uh, if you look at his numbers in the bubble, averaging 2.2 steals and 1.7 blocks per game. He's always a great guy for defensive stats without any other big men on the court. He's going to get rebounds. He has, you know, at least five or more rebounds in almost every game with Houston so far. He is a guy who's capable of knocking down threes, and he is very inconsistent, though. But that also gives him ceiling. Like, if this is a game where he knocks down threes, he's a guy who could score 40, 45 DraftKings points. So I think the price for him is a little bit too cheap. Okay. Yeah, outside of that, I think you might begin to see some some minutes that, that bounce around a little bit. Now, fortunately... Bruno Caboclo, Damari Carroll, and Michael Frazier, those guys should not be expected to play. Yes, they all played last game, but they got off the bench with two minutes remaining. Aside from that, you only had an eight-man rotation. Off the bench, you had Macklemore, Green, and Austin Rivers. Jeff Green has actually played pretty decent basketball inside the bubble, and Mike D'Antoni has been very willing to use it. The issue here, and I would actually have some interest in him if he wasn't only center eligible on DraftKings. I think that really hurts his value. Uh, He shot 8 of 12 last game. I don't see that being something that he's going to do every single night. If Jeff Green was 4,800, power forward, small forward, I'd have some interest. But at center only, it's going to be really difficult to make that argument. Is there anyone else for Houston or OKC before we keep this train rolling? Uh, on FanDuel, I like Eric Gordon. I think that he's reasonably priced. He played uh, a bigger role last game, which I think is going to be the case whenever Russell Westbrook is out of the lineup. The other thing with Eric Gordon also is that he hasn't played a ton of minutes yet, except he was also dealing with an injury earlier on in the bubble. He played 30 minutes last game. I think he's somebody who could play like 33, 34 minutes if this is a competitive game. I just think it's kind of a situation where they've been ramping up his minutes. So you look at the last three games, he played 20 minutes, 23 minutes, then 30 minutes in the first game of the postseason. 
So I think now we could kind of see full minutes for Eric Gordon. And I think bigger minutes at a 4,900 price tag, there's upside there. Okay. Well, we do a lot of cool stuff at awesomeo.com. And we do a lot of promos too. Not just, you know, garbage 5% off promos, but legitimate promos. And this is one of the best ones we've done in a while. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. File. Outside of the whole restart thing where you know, if you missed out on that, it's unfortunate, but we were doing 50% off everything for the entire month when, when baseball and basketball and hockey and, and everything came back. But with the NBA playoffs right now in full swing, We've got an awesome, awesome promo for you guys. If you haven't checked out Awesomeo, if you've wanted to, maybe cash has been a little bit tight lately. Disposable income hasn't been there. Uh, but th- this is a little bit different because we're doing a full week of Awesomeo Plus NBA weekly pass for 824. The promo code is Mamba, M-A-M-B-A. Kobe Bryant, you've heard of him. Uh, it goes all the way until what we're calling Mamba Day, 824. So August 24th is when that will expire. $8.24 for a full week of Awesome O Plus NBA content. Use that promo code MAMBA. That gives you the DFS, uh, NBA DFS player projections, owner projections, the boom bust tool, all of our premium articles, uh, the lineup builder, and so much more. The boom bust tool is a huge one. The ownership are the best out there. The player projections are stellar. All of these of which are developed and used by Alex Baker himself. You know him as Osimo, number one ranked DFS player in the world. These are his tools. I've said it a lot, but we don't just smack his name, slap his name on it and say, here, Alex Baker's tools. Check out Osimo's ownership and projection. No, these are his. And we put them on the site for our subscribers, which is why when you look at the testimonials, you'll see a ton of them and a ton of green and a ton of winning nights from the subs that have come with us at Osimo.com. Uh, you'll see it in Slack chat as well our premium Slack chat for any premium members. You can jump in that as well. When you do this, it's 50% off everything for the week. Like I said, ownership projections, boom, bust tool, articles, lineup builder, and a lot more that, that I'm probably forgetting at the moment, $8 and 24 cents. When you use that sign up code Mamba M A M B A, you got that through August 24th, but don't wait, do it now before you forget and see if you like it. So then when August 24th comes up or when that week expires, you can figure out what you want to do. Awesome.com slash join, by the way. You can check out all of our other options. If you want to get in on MLB, NBA, PGA, UFC, everything we have to offer, we've got, uh, I, I always recommend the Awesome Plus All Access Monthly. It gives you access to everything we have, all the tools, all the top stack tools, ownership projection, you name it, at awesome.com slash join. All right. Sal, uh, Sal, I almost called you Sal. Gray, <laughs> or I host with too many different people. Orlando, Milwaukee, we got two up, two to go. Uh, moving at a less than brisk pace, but we're breaking it down pretty comprehensively here, and we're going to continue to do that with this one. Bucks laying 12.5 points against the Magic, 227 total. Pretty shocking outcome. Last game, people can act like they saw this coming, but they're full of shit. 
It was, yeah, I did not see it coming. <laughs> no, of course. Of course. How could you see that? Even if Middleton has a bad game in most cases, they still have other players that can pick up the slack. It was really, really ugly. It was really ugly. And, you know, they ended up not only losing that game, but they got their asses handed to them. They dropped it by 12 points. They allowed 122 points in regulation to the Orlando Magic. So here we are going into game two. Vucevic coming off a monster 35.14 rebounds performance. Huge game. Uh, there were a few really big games from these guys, but mostly Vooch. Fultz was, you know, okay. That's what he is. He's okay. Evan Fournier hadn't hit a three-pointer until – or I don't think he had any points until late in the game, Greg, and then he knocked down three straight threes. What a weird game that was. Uh, can Orlando parlay that into success in game two? My obvious answer is no way. No, I think the Bucs should win this game, and I expect them to win it pretty easily too. I'm actually a little concerned about blowout risk in this game, if I'm being honest. Like, I think there's – a pretty good chance that we see Orlando just yep. smash them in this game and we don't see starters really play in the fourth quarter. So I'm wary of that. And that's going to affect how much ownership I have to these guys in this game. There is some favorable pricing on the box players. One thing that's really annoying is coming into the bubble, uh, the playoffs uh, specifically, I was thinking I'm looking at the box players. I go, they have an ace in the hole, which is that in the regular season, they don't play their starters very many minutes. And the easiest way to upgrade this team is just you give Giannis 36 minutes per game. You play Middleton and Bledsoe over 30 minutes per game. And under those circumstances, the Bucs have an upgrade to their team that other teams don't have available to them. And Budenholzer just didn't do that in the first game. Like, even though it was a close game, he didn't play these guys the minutes that they should really have gotten. Like, I think that it stands to reason that if you play Giannis almost 40 minutes in that game, if you play Middleton and Bledsoe like 33 minutes in that game, I think they probably win. But he just doesn't do that. He plays such a deep rotation. He's so conservative with the minutes of his starters. And I just find that to be really annoying because this team is so much – they could be so much better if you just play the starters the same amount of minutes that other teams play their starters in the playoffs. I'm with you, and I'm a big Mike Budenholzer guy. I, I really am. But, dude, it's, it's the playoffs. And every additional game you have to play can hurt you on the back end. So Agreed. Right? You know, the Giannis Antetokounmpo getting – 34.5, 34, almost 35 minutes. That That's like the ceiling of minutes for him, or at least it had been coming into this. Middleton played 31 minutes. I don't know if Middleton would have helped much, to be honest. <laughs> not, not on, no, no, they, they might have been better off playing Kyle Korver with his exactly. bucket up. It was after he got elbowed. Oh, he was, his face was leaking after that, too. But, yes, they have some, they have some good bench players. But guess what? They're nowhere close to as good as most of their starters. And once you get into the postseason, a decision has to be made. Uh, am I going to run these guys out there for big minutes and put away this opposing team? I think Budenholzer goes a little bit less conservative with his rotation today. And if that's the case, man, like Giannis, Giannis had a huge game and they still lost by 12. I got into a, a debate with somebody on Twitter who said none of this should be placed on, on, on Giannis's shoulders because he had a huge game. They still lost. And even when he was off the court, you know, they cut the, de- or what, even when he was on the court in the fourth quarter, they cut the deficit by one. It is kind of strange though, to see that Giannis had one point in the fourth quarter and shot Oh, for five in the final eight minutes of the game. Didn't demand the basketball. And it got away from them even, even further. I, you, if you're Giannis Antetokounmpo, 
you kind of have to be far more aggressive in the later stages of games. Is that not surprising to you that the guy comes out as one point in the fourth quarter in a, in a playoff game? Yeah, and his shot selection was terrible in the fourth oh, quarter. Oh, did too. you like, see that three-pointer? Literally, like, barely hit the backboard. It was oh, one of, dude, it was one so of the ugliest bad. shots I've ever seen. At least three if, minutes if, left. <laughs> yeah. If, if I'm going to give him some props, though, his three-point shooting for the game was not bad. He shot, I think it was three of seven from yeah. three. But please and don't shoot them late in the game. Yeah, not, I don't care. I don't not, care not what you did early on. Yeah. So at least that was positive to see. But, yeah, he was terrible in the fourth quarter. I, I think the pressure did get to him a little bit. I think they just expected to walk through the magic. And I think just facing a little bit of resistance got to them a little bit because, to me, they really seemed to just come unraveled in the fourth quarter. That was what it looked like to me. The, the shot selection was terrible. Guys were forcing shots. It didn't look like the normal Bucks we're used to seeing. Uh, but I think that it's going to be different today. I expect them to steamroll. And like I said, I, I am going to be a little cautious with how much exposure I get to these guys just because even though I do think that Budenholzer might be a little less conservative with minutes, it might not matter if the Bucks are up by 20 points in the fourth quarter. That is a concern. We know that if they're up by a ton, he's going to pull his starters. It's just the way he does things. I still like Giannis, though. But salary is going to play a large role. And, and the problem is, right now, Giannis isn't projected for that much lower ownership than Harden. No, and if I had to roster one of the two, I'd prefer Harden. So that's where, I'm get, where more of my ownership is going to go. Uh, I'm going to have exposure to Giannis. But I expect I'm probably going to be underweight to the field on Giannis and overweight to Harden. Because uh, that's kind of what you have to do if you want to get over with Harden. It's very hard to make lineups with both of them. Yeah, they're only showing like a five, six point or percent difference on DraftKings, around four percent on FanDuel. That's not that big. Uh, I do like Giannis though a lot. Of, if ownership changes throughout the day and Harden is way more popular than Giannis, like knowing how skilled Giannis is at racking up two plus fantasy points per minute. You, you won't have to twist my arm. I'll, I'll be on board getting to more under the Kumpo. But uh, as of now, yeah, I think Harden is the play only because ownership is is so close. And that game, despite not staying competitive last time, I would expect OKC Houston to stay closer than this one, which also didn't stay close last time. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the rest of the Bucks, though, from Middleton to Bledsoe, who, you know, compared to everybody else, actually didn't have a terrible game. He played 28 minutes, had 15 and 5. Brooke Lopez was dreadful <laughs> is dreadful doing a disservice to the word dreadful when it comes to Brooke Lopez's performance last game. It was heinous. Yeah, on, on both ends of the court, he was frustrated too. There was there was a couple of times that Boone was to call timeouts just to get Brooke Lopez off the floor. Mm -hmm. Like there was there was one time where I remember like he walked off the floor, he went to the back and just started like throwing chairs in, in the back of the bench. Like oh, I was, missed that. Oh, he was he was frustrated, he was pissed off, and it was mostly at himself. Like he just sucked. And I think that it really started to get to him. Uh, Brooke Lopez still on DraftKings, too cheap for me. I think that he's worth rostering as a value play. He should be more expensive than that. And also somebody who I, I think is going to be fine going forward and will be playing 30-plus minutes regularly. I like, I like Bledsoe, too. Uh, I think that the 28 minutes for him, he was somebody who definitely could have played more minutes. He was, he was solid last game. For all the narrative about how bad Bledsoe typically is in the playoffs, he was good last game. And he had a decent fantasy game. The, the minutes just weren't there, 28 minutes. I think that we could expect 30-plus minutes from him in a competitive game going forward. And if that's the case, the price is probably like $1,200 or so too cheap. Anyone else? No, I, I'm not really into any of the role players from the from the box. There's too much usage going to the core guys. Yeah, and there's too much uncertainty with how many minutes some of these guys are going to get too outside of hopefully Giannis. <laughs> uh, 
Orlando side of the ball, like I said, Vooch was dominant last time out. The the minutes are are going to be a little bit strange here. Like, you know, the 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 starters close the game out because why not? If you know, if you're Steve Clifford, I don't care how big of an advantage you have on the scoreboard, you don't take any risks. You run these guys till the end. Not your starters, but your closers, right? Gary Clark played 28 minutes, didn't close, but Fultz closed, played 29, almost 30 minutes. Vooch closed, played 37. Fournier closed, played 36. Ennis closed it out, played 31. And then Terrence Ross played 29 minutes himself, closed this game out, had some really clutch shots throughout the game, finished with 18 points on seven for 13 shooting. How do you view the magic today and what both of us, I believe, suspect this to be a pretty significant blowout? But at this point, what the hell do we know about the yeah. Bucks? <laughs> well, so the one thing we obviously need an update on is Aaron Gordon's questionable play again today. If he's out, I think that Evan Fournier is a pretty good GPP play just because he was a guy who was 30 plus percent owned last late and he sucked. Like the, the Magic, even though the Magic won, like who would have figured that Evan Fournier, who's a guy that I think we expected would have to play well for the Bucks to compete, did absolutely nothing. But I mean, you look at his numbers with Gordon off the court this year and he has a 26.7% usage rating. So his shot attempts are going to go up if Gordon's off the floor. He didn't score until the fourth quarter. Didn't score at all until the fourth quarter. But now we're at a, at a situation where cheap price, 5,100 on DraftKings, increased usage with Aaron Gordon out, and the field is just not going to be on him, I don't think, if Gordon's out again. I think people are going to be so gun-shy to put him into their lineups again after how much he sucked the other day. Sure. So the, the, the other side, too, is that I'm concerned about the blowout risk, obviously, also. So I'm not going to go like crazy with Fournier exposure, but if Aaron Gordon's out, Fournier is a guy I'm going to be overweight to the field on just because – the reason people liked him last game, there would be the same reason to like him this game, except he's just going to have less ownership. Close this one out. So Nikola Vucevic, uh, I don't think I'm going to be on him today. I understand he scored a ton of fantasy points last game, but I also think that the blowout risk here is just going to keep me off him. The other thing too, 8,800 on DraftKings like the opportunity cost of playing him is too great for me. Like I'd rather be able to get up to the James Harden's, the Giannis and Tetsukumpo's in my lineup. So Vucevic, I don't really care what happened last game. Not a priority play for me. This is especially true if Aaron Gordon plays. If Aaron Gordon plays, then that cuts the amount of shot attempts we'd expect from Vucevic. Vucevic this year, 28.7% usage rating when Gordon is off the court. That's up from 26.1% usage rating overall. So if Gordon plays, it's going to be less shot attempts for Vucevic. But then even if he's out, Vucevic just not a priority play for me because of the amount of other stars that are on the slate. Okay, and because I saw some comments in chat, uh, which, by the way, live before lock, we'll be sure to hit on all of that. Take your questions throughout the show coming up, starting an hour before this slate tips off at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Not 1.30, it's at 1 p.m. today. Do, do you have any additional thoughts on guys like James Ennis or, or Clark or – you know, Terrence, anyone that we haven't touched on from this team yet, because I know we'll get asked. Uh, I think Ennis is okay, but this also depends on if uh, if Gordon plays or not. Like, if right, Gordon let's plays, assume he doesn't. I, I think he's probably okay. closer to doubtful, but go ahead. So if he's out, then I think Ross and Ennis are okay secondary plays, uh, just to upset you, and because I also think that it's true, I think that Markel Fultz is a decent value play. And the other thing with Fultz, too, is I think it stands to reason he would probably play in garbage time if they were getting blown out anyway. Like, I kind of think that if the game's somewhat close, Fultz plays. If the game's a blowout, I still think that Fultz plays in the fourth quarter. 
he was pretty decent last game. And as much as you might not like Markel Fultz, he's still a decent fantasy producer when he's on the court, right? He's, he's a decent Hermetic guy and, and his, and his price is really cheap. So yeah. for those reasons, I think Fultz is okay. DJ Augustine did a phenomenal job of running that second unit, by the way, credit him. Uh, yeah, for he, sure. He did a great job of running that second unit. He shot three for 11. That's the first thing most people are going to see, but, uh, he set his teammates up time after time. He had 11 assists in that game. Really, really impressive stuff, man. Um, and his potential assist numbers were at, he had 19 potential assists in 23 minutes. That is where that elevated pace is really going to work wonders for this Orlando team. This is not a slate where I feel like you want to just run out there and, and grab every single, single Orlando player, but there is a big pace increase here. Right, this game saw 106 possessions per 48 minutes. That was tied for the most among any team in the postseason thus far. Big, big difference for an Orlando team going up against the Buck squad that plays at a rapidly fast pace. Okay. Yes. So go here's ahead. before we go on, just one issue I had with DJ Augustine is the minutes weren't really there for him. Like I get that he had a, a lot of assists, he had a lot of potential assists, like you said, but. Only only 23 and a half minutes for him. It's it's tough for me to expect him to really produce a good fantasy game on average against the Bucs if if I'm only going to expect him to play 23 minutes again at a 4,300 price tag. Oh, yeah. I wasn't recommending him for fantasy. I was okay. saying that he was the better point guard in that game. That's all. Um, okay, yeah. No, I, I would agree with you on that. He, he, played, he played very well. He was better than Fultz. Yeah, and I, I'm just busting balls. But no, like in all seriousness, he had a large role. Augustine played a large role in in the Bucks winning or the the Magic winning that game. Uh, it was a very. I was actually when I'd see him and bring the ball up the court, I was like, all right, Augustine's got the ball. Fifteen straight possessions. How can you not stop this guy? It was it was maddening for for me. But here we have it, and that's just the way it goes. Let's close this out, Greg. Three up, one to go. Portland. Uh, and the L.A. Lakers, Lakers six-point favorites here, 228.5 total. It's the highest on this slate. Well, last game didn't go as many would have anticipated, I don't think. And Portland did, well, in one instance, exactly what we anticipated. They gave their starters monster minutes. Terry Stotts is going to do this. Dane played 43 minutes. He played all but... One minute and 45 seconds in the second half. That's right. All but one minute and 45 seconds in the second half. He played all but five minutes in the game. Uh, C.J. McCollum played 42 minutes. Huge run throughout the entirety of this contest. Carmelo Anthony played 38 minutes. And Yusuf Nurkic, uh, who actually got into – I thought he got in a little foul trouble. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. No, he did. He did, right? Thought, okay. Yeah, he got in the foul trouble. Yeah, I thought so. Who got into some foul trouble, still played 33 minutes. Uh, and then Hassan Whiteside, think about this. Hassan Whiteside got into a, a ton of early foul trouble. He had three fouls uh, early into the second quarter, but he overlapped with Nurkic for like five minutes in the first quarter, uh, and then four or five minutes in the se- in the third quarter, and then even played a couple minutes alongside Nurkic in the fourth. He didn't close the game out, but if, if Whiteside is not in foul trouble, I can't help but wonder if he gets even more. I want to say no, but if with with, uh, with Collins here uh, being sidelined, I don't know. Does White? I actually want to start with Whiteside because I think this is actually the, the the toughest one to break down. Knowing that he's a phenomenal per minute fantasy producer on the season, just really good. 
he had five fouls, got in foul trouble, played 26 minutes, only had 26 fantasy points, but 4,900 for a guy that played that many minutes with his permanent production, that's a really fascinating spot, knowing that Stotts is willing to run him alongside new uh, Yusuf Nurkic. So he's my favorite value play on DraftKings on the slate. And he has to be. For a couple of reasons. First of all, like you said, really good permanent fantasy producer. And just that you kind of wondered going into this, how, how are the how are the Blazers going to match up with the size of the Lakers, right? Like, how are they going to match up with the jumbo front court? And Stotts mentioned it before the before the bubble started. He was like, hey, I'm going to try some Nurkic and Whiteside lineups together. We didn't see a whole ton of it during the end of the regular season. He, but tested, saw- it in, he tested it in game eight a lot. Yeah. And it, it kind of looks like that's what they're going to be doing going forward, especially now that Zach Collins is out. Now they're, you know, this is already not a very deep team. Uh, something that did also play a factor is that Wendy Gabriel did get into pretty quick foul trouble. But with that said, I think we could just anticipate Wendy Gabriel getting into foul trouble guarding Anthony Davis. Like, yeah. that's just going to be a fact. They played each other earlier in the year, and Gabriel fouled out in 12 minutes. So I, I think we could just chalk it up right now. Like, Wendy Gabriel is just going to use his fouls. He's, he's probably not going to be able to play more than 20 minutes due to fouls. So I think the, the Blazers are going to use that white side and Nurkic frontcourt a decent amount against this Lakers team. And you look at that price tag on white side, there's not a whole lot of value on this slate as of now. So the price tag on DraftKings 4,900 on white side is very appealing to me. He's my favorite player priced below 5,000. You know, it's even more appealing. I don't think Gabriel fouled out, by the way. I think he had five fouls. He had five fouls, but he still got in foul trouble really quick. Oh, yeah. Considerable amount of foul trouble. Uh the crazy thing about Whiteside is right now he's getting like no ownership. And that's surprising to me. It's really surprising to me. 14% on DraftKings right now at 4,900. I just think if you're looking for a GPP winner, potential GPP winner, Whiteside is your guy. Uh, and it's not, it's, it's not totally unlikely that Nurkic finds himself getting into foul trouble. I don't like to predict foul trouble. I think it's going to hurt you more times than not. But in that same breath, you're looking at somebody in use of Nurkic who's averaging 5.5 fouls per 36 in yeah. the, in the, you know, in the eight games or 10 games he's played or nine. Yeah. 10 games he's played this season. He's averaging almost six fouls per 36. So yeah, that could be a serious issue for him. Whiteside might even f- stumble into more minutes. Like it's not out of the realm of possibilities that Whiteside plays 30 plus minutes today. So I think no, not at all. Yeah. You're, the downside is Whiteside plays twenty, not including foul troubles. Is Whiteside plays twenty five minutes? He might play thirty minutes, uh, and thirty minutes from Whiteside at forty nine hundred. Even if he has to play alongside Nurkic, Lillard, McCollum is still an insane opportunity. And I think he, yeah. as you said, best value play on the slate yeah. in, in the regular season. He didn't even play thirty minutes per game. He played twenty nine point seven minutes per game and scored over forty DraftKings points yeah. per night. So I mean, the price is just way too cheap for me. And I kind of have a feeling that people, based on at least the ownership projections, people are not really hip to the fact that Whiteside and Nurkic are going to be playing a bunch of minutes together. Antoine Marvey says, that's completely impossible. Whiteside won't sniff close to 30 minutes. Bro, he sniffed close to 30 minutes last time and had three fouls in the first nine minutes he played. And I think the other thing to consider, too, is he doesn't need 30 minutes. Like he didn't average 30 minutes of the regular season. No, 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 and he scored no. over 40 fantasy points. So, no, but like, it's not crazy yeah, for him. To it's it's not, it's Clint. not crazy. It's not crazy. And the other thing too, is that we're just talking about his upside is potentially playing 30 minutes. He doesn't even need to hit that to have a good no. game anyway. No, not at all. He's less than $5,000. Do 
Do we expect a ton of scoring opportunities from him? No, but do you see how he functioned as a shot blocker last game? It was insane. He had five blocks, a huge sequence late in the game. He stuffed Anthony, uh, LeBron James. Lillard comes back, attempts a three from like 38 feet. Uh, I, I can't um, – here's the thing too. So, uh, Greg, I can't imagine Stotts didn't love what he saw out of Whiteside. He wasn't a defensive liability at all. Playing the next to Yusuf Nurkic against this Lakers team, I felt like it almost protected him a little bit. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, that's a that's – a, it's 30 minutes is the ceiling, but Whiteside could easily play 28 minutes today, and, and I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. What else, what else? And yes, Gabriel got into foul trouble, but what what better alternatives does Terry Stotts have with Zach Collins sidelines? He, he doesn't have he, do, he he doesn't have options. Like what is he gonna do? He, he's gonna because the other option is like what? He, he's gonna play Carmelo a ton of minutes at power forward and have him guard Anthony Davis. Like that's that's not a good situation. No, he's not Mario you, you don't you don't want to have a Zonia guarding Anthony Davis out there. So he almost has to play Whiteside minutes. Whiteside's such a good permanent fantasy producer. And then to, to the point of Whiteside not playing 30 minutes, he might hit value if he only plays 20 minutes. Like he's that good of a, of a fantasy producer. And then, like you said also, how could Stouts not be impressed with how well Whiteside played? Like I don't want to be too hyperbolic about this, but that might have been the best game I've ever seen Hassan Whiteside play. He was phenomenal. Yeah, and by most people hear that and be like, bro, he's had double-doubles of 20 and 20. Talking about defensively, how how good he was, uh, and no, somebody said Whiteside's popular. No, he's not. He's fourteen percent on a four-game slate. That's not popular at all. It's not even remotely popular right now. If this ownership stands, he's the sixth highest owned center right now. So uh, no, that's it's not popular even a little bit. So look, you. you don't get hung up on the 30 minutes. If Whiteside plays 25 minutes at 4,900, he can still smash. Yeah. That's- yeah. I mean, let's, I mean, he, like, like I said, he, he played under 30 minutes per game this year and averaged over 40 DraftKings points. Like 25 minutes is perfectly fine for him at his price tag. I'd be, in fact, if he plays 25 minutes and doesn't like easily hit value, I would be, I would be stunned. And by the way, I'm all about uh, discourse on the chat. So throw your opinions out there, and if it's good, we'll hit on it. Just don't be assholes, you know. Uh, not that anybody has been, but you know, just rules for rules for doing things around it. There's no rules. What am I talking about? What else do you have for Portland? <laughs> uh, so Damian Lillard. I mean, it's hard to say that he's not in play, but he's not a priority for me. I think there's a lot of other high end stars that I'd much prefer to him on the slate. The other thing too is. The Lakers do struggle against point guards, but overall they still have the best defensive efficiency in the Western Conference this year. I don't really love the matchup or the price tag for Lillard. Uh, I assume that a lot of people disagree with me on that, but just when you consider the other options, I'd rather pay up for Anthony Davis. I'd rather pay up for James Harden. I'd rather pay up for Giannis. That kind of leaves me in a spot where it's like I don't really have that much room to roster Damian Lillard shares. Okay. Antoine, that's what I'm saying. He's not getting ownership right now. Maybe that changes, in my opinion, changes. But you say, I get Whiteside, sure, he can get five-plus bucks, but his ownership is what the real issue will be. It's the whole point. Right now, he's not getting the ownership. 14% is a very small amount for his price on a four-game slate. Anyway, do you have any other additional thoughts on Portland, or do you want to move to the Lakers? 
Uh, just one final thought. Nurkic, no interest in him on DraftKings, nine, over 9000 too expensive. 7700 on FanDuel is much more reasonable. Uh, not a priority play for me, but pretty easy guy for me to avoid on DraftKings. All right. Yeah, the, the whole Nurkic playing alongside Whiteside is is not something that excites me all that much. Uh, that, that, that probably something that could that could hurt him for sure, but – We'll find out. Nurkic fantasy points. Nurkic has only played what, like fourteen? Yeah, fourteen minutes with him. He's actually been very good with Whiteside on the floor, but fourteen minutes is nothing. So I won't even entertain that. Yeah, I agree. All right, LeBron James, huge triple double last time. Him and Anthony Davis have Q tags, but they're both probable. Well, Q tags on DraftKings, they're both probable though. Twenty three points, seventeen rebounds, sixteen assists, and a nine and a seven point loss. Uh, statistically, LeBron James was very good. I don't think he actually played that great of a game that you need to score more if you're LeBron James in a situation like that. But also, if I'm being fair, 16 assists, he's getting everybody else involved. He's making everyone else better, and they still couldn't pull it off. He's 10,900. He's competing against the likes of James Harden, Giannis, and Lillard, and Anthony Davis today. How are you approaching LeBron James in this spot? So first thing, uh, for DFS, I prefer Anthony Davis today to LeBron James. I just think that defensively, the Blazers have nothing for AD. Like, they, they started winning Gabriel on him. Like, fine, I guess Gabriel's okay. The the big front court, even they go with Nurkic and Whiteside, I don't think either of them are quick enough to guard AD. They did go small at times. They, they did have some possessions related Melo on him. That was a disaster. AD had no problem with Melo in the post. So I look at Anthony Davis and his last game. He was okay for fantasy. But look at the usage, 33.1% usage. He just he didn't make his free throws. He didn't make his shots from the field. He only shot 8 of 24 from the field. Shout out to Kobe Bryant, Mama Day, all that. So maybe 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 there's a little bit of something to that, 8 of 24 from the field. But there's no way that Anthony Davis doesn't have a better efficiency game. And if we're going to assume that same amount of usage where the Lakers look at this matchup and they're like, hey, look at the guys that are guarding Anthony Davis. When Gabriel's guarding him, we're going to give him the ball as they did last game. If he has a 33% usage rating, the fantasy production from, I think, is such a high ceiling. It is. Where would you rank both LeBron and, and Anthony Davis compared to the rest of the high price field today, then? So I think overall, including price and all that, and also position makes a difference, too, because on FanDuel, like Anthony Davis just becomes so much more a priority because the power forward options are so slim. But I'll go with DraftKings just because it's a little more flexible there and we kind of more have to prioritize how we rank these guys. I'll go Anthony Davis two just behind James Harden. Okay. The rest of this team is is really tough to decipher and and it hasn't been a whole lot of fun. Kyle no. Kuzma's had some solid games. He did play 30 minutes last game. Danny Green is someone that continues to get ownership for God knows what reason. I know, I know we want to just keep chasing it, but the guy stinks from a fantasy perspective. Like he just does. He, he can't do anything outside of knock down a couple wide open threes. And even that seems to have been a problem. And he only played 24 minutes. Like Adam share made an argument, which I'm okay with the other day, which was, they kind of been saving him all season, and now against a backcourt of Lillard and McCollum, he's Frank Vogel's got to give him more minutes. I get that. I'm not I'm not a big Danny Green guy, but I get that. If you're thinking he's playing more than 30 minutes, he's got to because look at this matchup. That makes sense. But then he only played 24 minutes. He's cheap, and I'm assuming that people will go back to him again to some extent today, but uh, in, in a much lower capacity 
the rest of this Lakers team is just really, really not fun to target, to put, to put it in no, layman's I, terms. The, the other thing, too, is Rondo could play today. Like, they upgraded yeah. the questionable. Like, this is this is desperate times for Lakers. Rondo was supposed to be out for another, like, month or something. And they're like, well, we need a win now. Like, they lose one game, and it's like – I don't even understand that. It's like the timeline for Rondo is not expected back for weeks, and they lose one game. It's like, all right, Rondo might play now. Like, that's, that's a real panic. Yeah. If he played 20 minutes at 3K, I'd be on board. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, really no, would. especially because – no, I, I, especially because there's such a lack of value on this slate. Right. And Rondo is, as, as much as Rondo is not really that good in real life, he's a, he's a good fantasy player. He scores fantasy points when he's on the court, and we've seen him have big fantasy games in limited minutes. He's a guy that could score like two fantasy points per minute when everything's going well for him. So I, I agree with you. If, if Rondo plays, uh, I think he's worth having GPP shares of. The question is, we have no clue how much he's going to play after that, after that much time off, but for for the value savings, I'd be willing to take a couple stabs on him in tournaments. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, Rondo is one of those guys that can really disappoint you, but at minimum salary, he's basically a, per, a fantasy point-per-minute producer. And, yes, he, he'll be playing alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis, but LeBron actually is willing to let Rondo do some ball handling, right? Like He's willing to let Rondo set the offense up. We've seen that. Uh, in many instances, if I got 20, if they, if they, if Vogel said Rondo was limited to 24 minutes, I would be putting him as the best value play on the slate, honestly, at minimum salary. I, I just don't know how I'd get away from that, but we don't even know if he's going to play. Just keep that in mind as, as we move forward and closer to lock. Greg, close us out here. We're on the last team of the last game. Is there anybody else on the Lakers that intrigues you even a little bit? No, it kind of sucks, but I think we almost can't play anybody like Anthony Davis or LeBron James. Just everybody else, the minutes is so spread out, and the players suck. Like this is this is this is the 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 worst team I think I've se- we've seen built around LeBron James. Outside of Anthony Davis, this team is nothing. Like in a lot of ways, the series could actually come down to is a better shot a contested thirty five footer for Damian Lillard, or is the better shot a wide open three in the corner for Kyle Kuzma? Like that that, that could actually be what the series comes down to is what's a higher percentage shot. And I'm not even sure at this point in time. I'm not either. And I do know this. It's going to be another wild slate of games. Four, four games that could pretty much, you would, you would think many of them have no chance of going one way, and they do. Milwaukee, I, I think, well, you, let's do this. I did this with Sal the other day. Let's run through them. Uh, we'll close it out with this. And by the way, we're starting at 930 Eastern time now. Uh, for those of you that came in late and they're wondering what's going on, you can always you know, rewind and bring this back to the beginning or once it's over, just start it from the beginning. But we're starting at 930 because we were running into the MLB strategy show. and We wanted to have more time to talk NBA in the morning. So 930, probably run it up to, you know, not 11 every day, but it gives us a little bit of a cushion there heading into to the MLB show. Uh, and then anybody wondering coming up next is MLB strategy show. You got Josh and Adam NHL strategy show with Jake later in the day. Then Josh and I will be doing NBA live before lock at 12 o'clock. So just a little over an hour before now or until an hour to go. And then MLB live before lock with Jason Floyd and Alex Baker around 6 p.m. Got the MMA DFS strategy show with Jason Lloyd and Pete Rod- Jason Floyd, sorry, and Pete Rogers as well. And then the MLB early bird to close out the day. Got a ton of content here on the site. But yeah, 930 a.m. Keep that in mind. As we go forward here into the playoffs, we might change it once we go to like two and three game slates. But for now, 
we moved it forward to 9.30. So let's do this, Greg. This is how we'll finish it. Go to each game. Uh, give me your team to uh, against the spread bets here. You got Miami and Indiana. Miami laying four points against the Pacers. Who do you got? I prefer the Miami side of that game. Uh, if we if we just look at the overall talent on these teams, I think Miami is just so much better, especially Indiana w- without without Demontis Sabonis, Victor Oladipo potentially out. By the way, not to go out on some other thing, we haven't even heard an update on Sabonis in forever. I have no clue what's going on with him. But there was I, an update uh, a few days ago that said he's has no timetable still. Uh, it was about which, which is kind of a non update update. <laughs> I agree. Actually, it was a week ago now. So yeah, you're right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just don't think that Indiana has enough to compete with Miami. Miami also a really strong defense. Uh, I'm going to side with Miami in that game. Four points is a little much, but I, I still think that they're a, a little too much for the Pacers to handle. Yeah, if I'm backing either team here, it's going to be Miami. And and one of the big reasons is they covered four and a half last game and still didn't have nearly as a, a good a rebounding performance as you would have expected. Uh, I think they – I think they sure up the, the boards here, offensive and defensive boards, really give the Pacers a tough time. And if that's the case, they, they should cover. OKC and Houston, this one's a little bit tough because OKC is coming off an embarrassing loss. Two of their best players had miserable games. They're now two-and-a-half-point dogs after being favored by two-and-a-half points in game one. Yeah, I have a slight lean towards the Thunder. I actually think they should be at least – Per my numbers, I have them as a slight favorite in this spot, especially because Russell Westbrook is out. So if, if Westbrook played, I think that I have the, the Rockets as a slight favorite in any game in the series. With Westbrook out, I have the Thunder as a slight favorite. I know that's not how it played out last game, uh, but as we said earlier, I'm a, I'm a pretty big Chris Paul fan. I tend to think that his teams are very good. That's one of the reasons the Thunder overachieved a lot of the year. And of any team in the playoffs, the Thunder actually had the best record against the spread of of any of these playoff teams. So that's, that's where I... I'm going to stake my claim. That's If I had to bet on one game, I think that's the strongest line is OKC plus two and a half. Okay. Rockets are a tough team to bet, man. They're a very tough team to bet because they're unpredictable. They're very always high gonna, Yeah, they're always going to get their shots, but are the shots going to fall? And you, know, you could be like, oh, that's any team. Not when 90% of your shots are three-pointers, you know? So uh, I actually lean OKC here. I think Houston wins the series in six. But I'm going OKC in this game simply because last game was was a bit of an outlier, and I, I don't think that Schroeder and and uh, SGA can have nearly as as bad games as they did. And I actually think that Stephen Adams could be advantageous here and not as much a liability. Milwaukee and Orlando. Milwaukee's laying twelve and a half. Greg, I'm still I'm still taking Milwaukee to cover here. I think this game is a route, and if I'm wrong. I'll be the first person to tell you, I have no idea what's going on between this series if I'm wrong. Yeah, so I'll never bet a game where the spread is this wide unless there's something like really crazy going on. But I, I agree with you. I think the Bucks roll here. I think they absolutely just smash the the magic in this spot and even the series at one. I think the Bucks could win this game pretty easily by 20 plus points. The thing I just get concerned with a spread this wide is, you know, what happens if starters come out and it's just backups in the late in the game, there's some backdoor cover. Yep, and it's possible, but I will say Milwaukee's got a a pretty a, a good enough bench to where they won't just completely unravel, uh, unlike other teams. Portland and the Lakers. Lakers dropped last game by seven, but here they are, six-point favorites again in game two. This is a wide spread, and I, I, it feels like a trap spot to me. 
Like the the this spread being so wide, it's it's actually wider than it was last game. I think last game closed at five and a half. So it's crazy for the Lakers to lose a game outright as five and a half point favorites and then be favored by six and a half the next game. But with that said, I'm looking at some of those numbers that I brought up at the top of the show where just the stats, where the Lakers scored 43 less points than expected versus their, shot, their, versus their shot quality in the first game. I don't think the Blazers have a good defense. The Lakers just got a lot of open shots they missed last game. And I know that I, I'm not a huge fan of Danny Green. I'm not a huge fan of Kyle Kuzma. But the reality is the amount of open looks those guys got in the corner, those are going to go in more often than not going forward. So I think this is a little bit of a trap line. I think the Lakers get back on track and win this game pretty easily. Uh, I assume the public's going to be all over the Blazers in this spot. I do too. And I don't love six points on either side. I'll tell you that much. But what I will say is the Lakers actually did a good job of sealing off the three-point line early on. And then things just started to come undone. But I took the under on this game at 234 and a half. And this game didn't score 200 total points. That's not going to happen again. You're not going to see as many missed shots as this. The total's down to 228 and a half today. I I, I think you probably got over this. That was just, it was an anomalous performance on both sides of the court. Portland won, but the Lakers offense was so, so bad. If, If the Lakers... Greg, I'll, I'll leave you with this, and you can close it out with your final thoughts on the slate. If the Lakers have a repeat offensive performance like they did in game one, it's time to hit the panic button, and I'm serious. If they put two, two consecutive games together against the Portland Blazers that are as bad as they were offensively as, they, as game one was, it's, it could be trouble. Uh, there's also trouble. I think there's a real risk of if the Lakers get smashed in this series – and there's a ton of just public uh, media backlash against them. I'm not positive that Anthony Davis resigns with them in the offseason. Oof. Okay. It's crazy, man. Hey, follow Greg on Twitter at G Ehrenberg DFS. You see that at and then his name under his head? Hit him up there. Follow me at Lafayette underscore D. Uh, if you don't have Twitter, it's so important for basketball and other sports to get your information. Even if you don't like to tweet, it's really helpful. Uh, it's the best place to get information, news, and insight on on specifically NBA, but uh, always willing to interact. You got questions, comments, you want to shoot the shit, you want to tell me I'm right or wrong about something, you know, I'm here for it. I'm assuming Greg is as well. Thanks to you guys for hanging out as always. Hit that thumbs up before you go. It greatly helps us out here on the channel so we can get this show and all of our shows uh, to more eyes so we can keep doing these for free and keep bringing you content each and every day. Stick around. Josh and Adam coming up. It's the MLB Strategy Show next here on the awesome.com YouTube channel. This has been the NBA Strategy Show presented by Superdraft.